Hi, and welcome to Mumspire, your go-to place for inspiration, information, and great tips on how you can become a happier and healthier mum. My name is Anna Maria, and I'm your host. I work as a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, doula, and yoga instructor. But most importantly, I'm a fellow mum. Hello and welcome to this very special episode. This is episode number one and I am just quietly jumping in my seat with excitement as you are joining me on this very first episode and I want to take a moment to really say thank you and tell you how grateful I am that you are sharing your time with me and you're here with me today. So thank you so much. Today I'm joined by the very wise and experienced Nadine Richardson, and we're going to have a conversation around reclaiming motherhood as the goddess that you really are. And this conversation is really about the event that takes place and takes us from being women to becoming mothers, and that is, of course, birth. I chose this as the first topic as it encapsules very much the vision I have for this podcast, which is a place for women and mothers to tune in, to feel inspired and supported and empowered and find new ideas and tips and education around all things women's health. So I thought it would be good to start by reminding ourselves and each other that having more conversation and supporting each other in this journey that we're all in together, going from women to mothers, is so very important. And there is so much wisdom and knowledge to be gained from this experience. So I'm so happy that Nadine is joining me today. Nadine is the director of the Birthing Institute and creator of the world's only scientifically verified childbirth education program, SheBirths. After many years of attending births as a doula, influenced by her medically trained family, she became inspired to develop a more comprehensive preparation for birth to make a real difference. And I dare say that she most certainly has. She has been a teacher and a trainer in yoga childbirth and parenting for over 20 years and she has led thousands of families on a journey towards better birthing community and well-being and above all she is a mum and she lives in Bondi Beach in Sydney. So welcome Nadine to Mum's Fire podcast. I am really really happy that you're here. You are one of my favorite people in the birthing world, the mama world, a fellow mama on the journey So thank you for coming. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Nadine, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into starting SheBirth and what caused that whole journey to take place? Well, it certainly was never a plan. It certainly isn't the thing you go to uh, the careers advisor in year 10 or 11 and decide I'm going to be an independent childbirth educator. I didn't even know those sorts of things existed or that we even needed them, of course. But after giving birth to my own son 15 plus years ago, I came out of the experience, even after doing three months of independent birth ed and going through lots of hospital support and all that kind of stuff and even employing our own independent midwife at the end, we had a huge amount of support and education around us. I came out of the labour and uh, apart from falling in love with my son and experiencing the most transcendent quality of peace and stillness and love and intuition awakening and knowing all of this was going on pretty soon after came the thought 
oh my God, not one second of my birth education program prepared me for that tsunami. You know, it was just so intense and I don't think my partner was prepared. And then I suppose as we traversed those early childhood moments, parenting, sleep deprivation, settling, you know, looking and lost really and challenged as most people are. Again, I just didn't felt like anything had prepared me for it. So I wanted to understand why I hadn't been prepared. I wanted to understand why pain existed, uh, why certain births went one way when others seemed to go so smoothly what was creating disparity in experiences in myself and my friends that I was seeing. And so I just studied as much as I could. And as soon as Leroy was two, I became a doula. And being at that coalface of birth, being that person whose primary job is to provide support, education and pain relief for continuous hours as you know now that you're a doula, you really have to find what works. And I just wanted to alleviate suffering. I suppose that's always been my goal ever since I was a little girl. I want to help. I want to alleviate suffering and no better place than in the labor room. And so I really was seeing in the process of being a doula that education did make a difference, but there were many big gaps in people's preparations. And there was people going in with sort of mind approach and trying to relax as much as possible. And then there were other people going in with more movement approaches, being as active as possible. And people were missing out on a whole bunch of tools in either field, or they were just going in with the medical understanding and not knowing the natural techniques they could use. So yoga background for 20 years really helped to create what I call this sort of comprehensive complementary medicine toolkit for the mum, for the dad that we provide at SheBirths. And it really is what gets people across the line, as well as having a beautiful spirituality. You know, it's such an extraordinary process birth. You can't, even though it's incredibly human and animal, it's also so significant and it changes so much that having a spiritual sort of grounding, a nature-based spirituality, which is what yoga is, really imbues the whole of the SheBirths program and that really supports people. It gives them a philosophy. It gives them an approach and attitude, principles to work with that support them internally, mentally, emotionally, and if you want to say spiritually, but then we have that really practical pain relief. And so that's, you know, what I created because that's what worked. And yeah, that's SheBirths, I suppose. Yeah. And thank God you did create that. <laughs> it certainly helped me and many, many, many other women. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a huge game changer, I think. Mm. Why do you think that we have, or a lot of us have a foundation of fear when it comes around birth and giving birth? I think we start with, you know, most, you know, feel that we should eventually have children. That's sort of how life goes. Then some struggle to get, you know, pregnant and there's that whole journey. Then we fall pregnant and there's this joy usually. And mm. then there's this realization of, oh, this baby has to come out. Mm. And often then the fear sets in. And mm. where does that come from? You know, that's like a, a really great question and one we should continually keep asking ourselves as a race of 
human beings as we grow because there's a certain thing that, you know, the human brain loves to entertain negativity and, you know, one of my spiritual teachers says we must never entertain negativity and it's a hard thing to do and it takes consciousness to not do that. So even Albert Camus, the famous French philosopher, got to the end of his career and said, oh, my God, I've failed because all I've wanted to do was write about how extraordinarily beautiful, good and amazing the planet is, but it seems all that people want to read about is disaster and destruction and negativity. And if you just step back from our world for a moment, you'll see that the media is perpetuating that and the government is perpetuating that all the time to distract us and to keep us in a perpetual state of fear and so that it's much easier to be controlled when people are in a state of fear. And so I think it's part of the phenomena on our planet right now. And then, of course, what happens is what we see in the media, what we hear just perpetuates itself. It's just like a snowball rolling down a hill. And then the more stories that we hear, the more our human brains become wired to that being the truth. And it takes a lot of strength to step back and go, actually, you know, there's like a billion and one things that are going right just now for me to be sitting here to be able to speak to you. And that nature is this awesome power that's kind of got life sorted and she's not broken. And she's actually divinely orchestrating our bodies, our brains, the whole of this planet so perfectly. And birth is just this one fantastic moment in time where you really get an opportunity to connect with that. And it takes strength and it takes courage and awareness to step out of that negativity. And it is just part of the human phenomena. Yeah, I think the fear the trauma stories that get shared and and trauma stories are real. I'm not saying they're not real, but there's a lot of people who did have horrendous experiences, particularly in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s. Horrendous things happened in obstetrics units, partly because, you know, one top professor talks about it as the Wild West, really, that really at a maximum 30% of practitioners are adhering to medical guidelines So why does it happen in obstetrics? Because women don't have a voice for themselves and they don't have education and information and they don't have a voice during labor in particular if their partner's not in the room advocating for you and they don't have a voice for themselves because their frontal lobe in order to give birth is being flooded with beta endorphins. So the analytical mind, that assertive mind, intellectual can't speak back or speak up. And so negativity and trauma then continually perpetuates itself through the power of story. It's just a a horrendous cycle that we need to learn how to step out of. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear. And I also think that what's baffled me after becoming a mother and in my first pregnancy was how comfortable people were talking about the the horror stories Mm. or the conversations you have in the supermarket or on the playground or wherever, you know, gatherings they're typically negatively driven or Mm. what type of pain relief are you going to have? Or, you know, it's very quickly geared in that direction. Mm. And in my first pregnancy, I remember that I had a lot of fear and just the whole idea of a baby coming out. I mean, it seemed 
so far-fetched. It is petrifying at (laughs) first, of course. In your mind, you're trying to visualize and you think, how on earth could this possibly happen? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, like the whole physical, you know, mind-blowing thing, which it really is, and let's celebrate Mm. that. But then when I did the she birth, because I initially had all that fear, and then luckily I found you and did the course, and I managed to change that whole perspective and was like, wow, you know, we've got this as women. We've Mm. always done it. It's one of the most innately, you know, intuitive things that we can do if we just allow it to be that. That's right. Well, it's like it's not like we've done it. It's like nature's done it and we've just allowed it, you know, and facilitated it. Yeah, with a vessel for new life. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a, you know, a huge transformation for me Mm. as a person, as a woman. And then still I would go in, place it, you know, go to the supermarket, do my shopping. And the woman behind the counter would say, oh, so, you know, are you going to have the epidural or are you going to go in for a C-section? And that was the first start of the conversation. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, if I hadn't done the course or if I hadn't shifted somehow my mindset and was still in the fear phase, that would just spiral me out of control thinking Mm. I must have a C-section or Mm. whatever else. Mm. And I still am surprised by people, you know, how we more comfortable having that conversation and it seems it seems almost hippie like if you're someone who enjoys the process Mm. which I now do I'm now pregnant with my third and I think it's wonderful to be pregnant and I'm looking forward to the experience it's certainly intimidating and huge Mm. but not with a fear relation to it Mm. as such Mm. yeah I call it the um the gospel according to one it's like you go into the supermarket and people do have the best of intentions and they really think they're coming up to help you. And we hear what they're saying, these negative things, or you've got to do it this way, or I did this. And and really, A, they're either debriefing their own painful, traumatic experience that no one's genuinely sat down and really heard that woman and what happened. And she doesn't probably understand possibly why things did happen the way they happened, because that's also very confronting to hear that we didn't maybe have all the information or all all of the support, or we've got unprocessed feelings around our birth. And so then people think they're helping, but really they're projecting and it's a big problem in our society, this projection of negativity. And it comes across as so emotive and so powerful that it really does stick inside our consciousness. But if you just pause for a moment and go, actually, why would I listen to one random person in that supermarket or just those other people that might be really expressing their pain? You can only share what's there in the moment. And it's better to listen to someone that knows it can be better, knows it can be good, has been there many, many, many times over and this gospel according to one is just uh, ridiculous, really. It's got to stop. Women in general have got to stop projecting and advising and judging and pregnancy is the perfect time to stop it. <laughs> yeah, and to make that shift, to make that conscious decision. Yeah, and just let other people be who they are and take responsibility and and own our journeys. And And I always say to the girls, you know, If you're comfortable hearing other people's negativity, then good for you, but just be really mindful that the human brain receives and encodes negativity five times faster than it does positivity. And so if you're hearing that one negative story, you've got to balance it out five to one the other way. Or you just say, oh, no, thanks, you know, my baby's listening. You know, you don't have to listen to the gospel according to one. And 
yeah, the human brain loves narrative. It loves story as well. That's how it's structured, obviously, because since we were fire, we're sitting around the fire, we would listen to stories. So stories are very, very powerful and um, they can have a much deeper impact than we're even aware. And it takes quite a lot of work to empty that out. And that's why in, in She Births, you know, we have like all these wonderful videos to, for people to listen to of different positive stories. And you know, it doesn't have to be the perfect natural water birth with an orgasm at the end. Oh, my God, you know, if I could tailor that, would be billionaire. But, you know, it can have positive epidural stories and you can have positive induction stories and you can have the tools to work to create that and you should really protect the sanctity of your own mind and your own vision. And, you know, it's like our, this is our, it's not a, a battle story, it's a marathon. And um, labor's a marathon and I talk about it, it's like walking a labyrinth in your mind while you're running a marathon in your lower body. So it's like walking the labyrinth in your mind psychologically, you, you're traversing around a sort of what you think is a maze and you've got twists and turns and you have no idea how you're going to get to the center. So it takes a lot of strength and courage and faith to get there. And at the same time, the lower body is really working incredibly hard. So if we can relate to it like that, then you can go, oh, I've done those sorts of things before. And, and men certainly get that analogy. They get the idea that women need coaching and support to get through the marathon. And then that psychological process, of course, is um, very powerful and it needs a lot of tools to help to get through it for sure. Yeah, I think that marathon, it works for everyone. And it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> we need this. Even support. a short one, even a short labor is like a really intense sprint, right? Absolutely. It still feels like you've done 42 Ks, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you probably have. You, you probably know, have. Way it all that up uterus probably did. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think just on the last note in regard to that fear element, just so that we can sort of, you know, see it for what it is. And then, you know, hopefully we can move on from it and, yeah. and get some tools in place to, well, for women to if, either if you're going into labor, if you are pregnant at the moment and it's all ahead of you or if it's mm. all behind you, I think we all have to process some sort of story or some sort of emotional, physical mm. journey that happens or will happen. But I just, you know, on the final note was um, in my first pregnancy, I was lucky enough that Anne Geddes did, I don't know if you remember, mm, but she did a I book. I remember that. Um, where she took pictures of us pregnant women and then she took pictures of us with us with our babies I think when they were less than three months mm. postpartum and wrote our entire birth story and I mm. thought this is the most beautiful thing to do and mm. obviously her pictures are really really sweet so the whole thing seemed so fantastic and that was then going to they were recorded everything and it was going to go on television and it did but then, in, you know, I remember sort of watching a couple of the stories and I then spoke to her and I was like, so when is my story coming? And she said, unfortunately, yours was not dramatic enough and traumatic enough. So mm. they're not going to air it. And that was for me the moment where I was like, and you and I have spoken about this many times, we just, it is all about the fear. And very much, you know, the reason we're talking right now on this podcast is I would love to see if we could shift that. If we could just spend a moment like, turning the tables around here. And of course there is fear because uncertainty creates fear, but stories, as you just said, conversations, education, Support. shining light. On, yes, yeah. Shining light on all those black holes that really just need a bit of attention. Yeah. To. There's a lot of taboo. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of negativity and it is the one thing 
that we've all been doing, you know, breathing, sex, birth, death. Like these are some certainties for most of us, right, in life, you know, birth and death for sure, you know. And so all of these things are actually innate. They're innate. They're in the back brain. The human race would not exist without the subconscious or parasympathetic nervous system orchestrating this process. And so what we really have to learn is how to let go and trust that and to reiterate nature's intelligence. And so understanding, clear intellectual understanding of how the body is designed to work, the endocrine system, the nervous system, the physiological changes, anatomical changes, all of those things, understanding that for the Western woman is probably the greatest key. And partners, it's one of the biggest keys. I see that light switch on sort of halfway through Saturday in my courses and it's that knowledge where you go, oh, my God, like nature's actually got it designed. Like she's just worked it out. She's worked out that when that head gets to crowning, that woman, even though she might feel a bit of burning, stinging sensation, she might not if she's had a really long labour and her endorphins have built up, but she'll probably uh, be getting like two to 400 times more oxytocin flooding through her whole body at that one moment. And, and why would nature design it that way? Why would she do that? Well, to help with the pain, for sure, to give you a sense of reward. It is a reward system, the whole oxytocin levels in the brain to allow you to fall in love with your baby so that you bond, so that you care and attach with them and protect them. So that's just one example of the orchestration that can take place naturally and there's a million and one of those and that knowledge in itself is liberation. Knowledge is power, absolutely. Education's key. Yeah, and we've always done it. We've always told the stories. We've just ended up telling the, the horror stories now. But what I think. I would like to ask you, Nadine, is, so if we have, you know, and you and I see so many women, but, you know, if we have a woman, if we're speaking to a woman now who is pregnant and she has, you know, certain levels of concerns or worries or thoughts, or we, you know, we'll also be talking to lots of mamas out there who has had experiences that were not maybe what they had hoped for, expected, or maybe their birth or their pregnancy or the, you know, the fourth trimester took a radical turn that they didn't expect. How do we look back at it? And of course, a lot of knowledge will heal, I think, will help us understand. I think as long as our brain and we can intellectualize a lot of things, we can let it go. But what would be your tips for a woman who needs to heal mm. something that's sitting there in the background so that she doesn't have to be that woman in the supermarket or in the mm. playground who is unconsciously reaching out? And maybe saying something that could be sparking fear in another woman. How can we actually turn that around, do you think? I think we start with honouring motherhood. I think we need to value it. I think we are trained as women since the feminist movement, which thank God for, but at the same time as women we've become corporate cogs in the wheel and we've been learnt to disassociate, you know, we've been taught to disassociate from our bodies and work really hard. And I, you know, I fall into that trap as well, myself running my business. And then I think be aware of the fact that we are not honouring this feminine process. And so we're almost victims of a society that isn't valuing us or our stories. 
So the tragedy is we need to seek out the person and the support that can really help us heal. And we have to notice and understand and have that awareness that we need help. We need to be able to heal. So you need someone to really listen to your story and you need someone to be able to reflect back an understanding of what happened and why it happened possibly. And in my experience, every single woman gives birth to the best of her abilities. No one person is just like, oh, I don't really care and whatever happens, happens. Everyone's trying to do their best. So it's a real lesson generally for every woman, no matter what your birth is like, to hold self-love and compassion. And I think the power of a good therapist or a doula or a loving, kind person that understands birth to reflect that back to us that we've done our best is really important and to possibly start looking for the jewels, the jewels, the little diamonds in the rough there. And that might just be a lesson of learning self-acceptance of I'm perfect with my imperfections. I have to do that with my own birth story. Of course, I keep having to relive it all the time. But I look back and I go, you know, I don't know why it went the way it did and it needed medical assistance and after 36 hours I was still two centimetres, but certainly every element I put in she-births has been an attempt to try and understand that. Many, many factors involved in the mental, physical, emotional, sexual, spiritual involved in that process of how it unfolded and how it needed assistance. But I have to look back and go, I don't I don't understand absolutely everything and I've endeavoured to do everything I possibly can to make sense of it, but I did the absolute best that I could with the knowledge I had. And that is sometimes the hardest lesson rather than the people that might have the perfect exquisite birth, they might not get that lesson. Maybe that's not their soul's journey, but for most of us we need to learn how to love ourselves and have compassion And um, I think that's where birth is a a wonderful teacher. And and then that's a beautiful foundation for loving our children. Of course, that's part of being a mother as well, self-care, self-love, compassion. And sometimes it's the love we have for our children that we then start to turn back towards ourselves. So for me, learning, experiencing the love for my son, it taught me what unconditional love was. And then I learned self-love through that journey of loving him. So that was the doorway to open my heart. And I think birth is a wonderful passage for that. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's what they teach us, these little critters that we create, that whole love, the unconditional love and the letting go, going with the flow. But I think that I wanted to just, as you were talking, I was thinking that it can be extraordinarily painful to have to acknowledge that something is hurting back in there. And I wanted just to honor that as we're talking about this, because I mean, we talk about this stuff every day, (laughs) but not everybody does. No. And a lot of women, you know, it's just a process of getting the baby out and moving on. And of course, life gets busy, so it's easy to just move on and leave it in the the mental, emotional cupboard Mm. and never going back there. But I just wanted to say it out loud and honor it that it can be extraordinarily heavy and and sometimes painful to go back and going over the birth maybe and finding someone because I Mm. agree with you wholeheartedly mm. that I think it would be, you know, the trick is to, to speak to someone, whether mm. it's a counsellor or a doula, or mm. someone kind in your, in your social mm. 
to sort of process the whole thing, but you know, it's not necessarily easy and it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be any of those things, you know, Mm. orgasmic, Mm. joyful births, Mm. but just to, you know, bring all these things to the surface. So it doesn't sit in the background, lurking, creating Mm. negative stories out there. Yeah. You can see it. You can see it when someone's holding something. I think that's a good analogy back in the cupboard. And, you know, we all do that to a certain extent in order to survive. We, we're not all enlightened Buddhas walking around, you know, and, but life again has an intelligent structure to her and a rhythm and a flow. And she will make that stuff arise at the right point for our evolution. And so it might be the second pregnancy. It might be the third. It might be in the process of a separation where we have to look back and go, actually, maybe my birth didn't go so well because my partner really didn't support me. He wasn't really there. And, oh, my God, how have I let myself down in being with someone that didn't fully love me? You know, just as an example. And I think the reason I went into birth education was because I knew as a doula I wasn't getting to people enough people or early enough. So it's like, where's the earliest point? Even as a yoga teacher, you know, people, were, it wasn't early enough. It wasn't enough time. So I went to create the program. But it's like, because I know that as soon as you got that little one in the nuclear family, industrial society, you know, that we have now, where we don't have time out, we don't have family support, we're not living in a village. This is what I mean why we're victims of society and the system. So many of our issues are actually not our own fault. They're really just symptoms of a broken system. There's no time. Issues have to be swept under the carpet for a while because you are busy. You are getting to know your baby. You're learning about breastfeeding. You're dealing with sleep deprivation and then your partner's trying to provide. And I know the chaos that comes for the next couple of years. That's why every family deserves a trophy at the end of year one and another one at two and another one at five. And it's big. It's busy and Certain issues will get swept away and just be okay with that too. If that's just be aware that that's what you might be doing and that's okay as well. It'll come up when it's meant to be solved and, and seen. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't just because we're talking about it now doesn't mean that all women should go out there and get a counselor tomorrow. <laughs> no. But you know, the idea of just acknowledging that maybe there is something there that is yeah. that could be I think it's really needing helpful. a bit of attention. Yeah. And I think I remember you saying, just you reminded me when you're, you know, that there is a lesson in all of this. When I was with my first one again, you were, I remember you saying one of your wise things, Nadine, was that there is a, an individual for every woman, possibly also for every man <laughs> or everyone who's having a child. There is a lesson in either the pregnancy, the mm. birth or the postpartum. So yeah. I think you were thinking the fourth trimester, so that, you know, mm. the early stages postpartum, or maybe in the first year, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think the the way I say it is like no one gets off scot-free in the yeah. whole perinatal <laughs> period. Because it's a rite of passage, the majority of us will experience the birth as a rite of passage. But these days that rite of passage, that basically transformation towards greater love and consciousness, which might be self-love and compassion, of our imperfections, that could be going on through fertility treatment. You know, I see women who've gone through seven years of that and coming into she-births and it's such a huge step to have had so much support from science to then come to she-births and go, actually, I'm ready to reclaim 
this bodily natural process as best I can. And they almost get like a little scot-free ticket because they friggin' deserve it. You know, they've had like the, the biggest lessons along the way. That might be their journey. Other people I've seen have perfect pregnancies, you know, what would you call like a really perfect, awesome birth. And then their whole nervous system just melts down afterwards and they can't sleep at all. They've got full insomnia. They're feeling really anxious throughout the day. And so we have to work with that woman to see what she needs, her constitution in particular, and what might be arising as well. Something in the cupboard that we'd never even saw, you know, and that's the beauty of life. And so it's a rite of passage. No one gets off scot-free. We're all in it together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really valuable to have that. Get a tattoo with it or write it on the wall. Get something. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to get a tattoo, but... It is something that's in the back of my mind, and I share it often with my patients, is that there is a lesson individually in all of this, and we don't have to, you know, say it out loud. But if you can just in your own mind sort of just go, where in this journey was there that little little Mm. thing that has triggered something? And then just honor that or maybe dive deeper into it and explore it. But I certainly have found it true in both the two births that I've had so far. Mm. God knows what will come in the third. But there is something there and there's certainly room for growth. And that is, I guess, what leads me on to the, the whole subject of this podcast with you, Nadine, which is to really honor us as women and mothers, but also the women that are listening that are not mothers yet or mm. won't be, but honor us as the goddesses that we are, because the truth is we really are. Mm. And I would love to just spend a moment, you know, speaking about that and a goddess doesn't mean a goddess is perfect or has it all right. But I suppose in winding up, Nadine, what would be your top three ways of honoring women or motherhood on the goddess perspective? Instead of us, you know, we have to do the dishes, we have to raise our children and keep them right from wrong and mm. make sure that they're in bed on time and their nappies are changed and all those different things. And mm. it is, you know, there's certainly hardship in it. Mm. and and hurdles we have to get over but coded on top of all that is you know an extraordinarily beautiful journey that is essential for life and I wanted to really just honor that Mm. wow okay such a big question such a big topic really and I think um yeah we are all divine expressions of the feminine And each one of us is like a little, it's a different flower in the flower garden. And yet within all of us, we have these sort of qualities. In yoga, we talk about the qualities of Kali and Durga, Lakshmi, and the the gods as well, all of that. And the thing I do love about, I suppose, Hinduism and yoga is the gods aren't perfect. You know, we're not Virgin Mary or Magdalene, the prostitute, you know, we're not these two extremes. Like Carly gets angry and she comes down and she chops people's heads off when people are caught up in their minds and in their ego. And, you know, Durga, you know, feeds and nurtures and so does Pavati and and they're all like expressions of the feminine. We're such complex beings, but there is a reason why most of these goddesses, when you see images of them, they have about eight arms. It's because we're always doing so many things. And that's like what you said, we're doing this and we're doing that and putting the baby to sleep and we're getting all these things. These are all functional parts of motherhood. 
But I think children give us an opportunity to fall into our hearts and into a sense of space and into love, into play, into openness, into trust, into wonder. The world is a beautiful, wonderful, extraordinary place. And when you have a baby and a child, you see the world through their eyes because you're engaging and communicating with them and and connecting and, and you're being called into that space. And I think that is where the nourishment is. That's where the beauty and the goddess is. The other stuff we just have to get done with our many arms, but we can be all expressions and all is sacred and childhood and motherhood and parenting is just the most sacred, magical, wonderful privilege to be engaged with. It just, yeah, I just think it's the best thing on the whole planet. It's easy. It's everything else around it that's tricky, but loving and opening and playing is just easy. Wow. I think you just made something really complicated, extraordinarily simple. <laughs> because, you know, if we could just take that nugget away and rem remind ourselves, you know, in half an hour or tomorrow oh. or later tonight when they're all screaming and we have to put them to bed, that it's actually easy. The love is easy. And that's maybe what we have to tap into whenever it all blows up and everyone is screaming and the spaghetti bolognese is on the wall rather than in the tummies and so on. If we can just take a moment, maybe close your eyes, I don't know, turn around, do something, and you just go, the love is actually easy. The, all the rest that are around all this, mm. the stuff, the fluff, the mind chatter, the musts, the ideas, mm. um, that's the stuff that is hard mm. and you don't actually have to buy into it. No, you don't. Yeah, you're not going to remember it. You're probably going to regret it later. But just falling back into your body and your heart and into the joy and seeing the world through your child's eyes will allow you to access a part of yourself and revel in that. It does slowly disappear. It does as your child gets older. You have to pull yourself into that. But when they're little, you're being called into it all the time. So just revel in it while it's there. Enjoy it. Oh, well, I feel like that is a perfect place to end it. And I really want to say thank you. I know that a lot of women out there will be pondering on this. And that's what I hope for at least. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today, Nadine. Thanks, darling. It's a pleasure. You can find out more about Nadine and SheBirths on www.sheburst.com. There are online courses for $197, which is highly popular for families all over the world and in regional areas. The SheBirthing course are available in Sydney and Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, Singapore, and many other areas. So just go onto the website to find out if there is a SheBirthing course in your area. Otherwise, they are available online. Nadine is currently running courses in Sydney where she trains midwives and doulas to become educators for their own community. So go on to her website, find out more and how you can get in touch with her. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions or topics that you would like me to speak about, I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via my website, anamaria.com.au. And remember to subscribe so that you get each new episode as they become available. I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to write Mumspire a review on iTunes. 
And you can support us even further by making a donation on annamaria.com.au forward slash mumspire. Lastly, I want to say a big thank you to our Danish friend Jesper Huff for making our very own Mumspire jingle. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself and your loved ones.